Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm going to buy myself a second while I turn this around and encourage you uh, to open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. We're looking at Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Uh, you can also open that up in your bulletin if you have that, or you can grab a pew Bible. I want to remind you every week, of course, uh, to bring your own Bible so you can make notes um, uh, and mark things up and have them for later. This is life without having fancy screens. This is my PowerPoint. My sermon finally has both. So as we gather together today, we're looking again at Romans chapter 13, verse 1. And it reads like this. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. There are two realms. There's the left-hand realm and the right-hand realm. The left-hand realm is governance. The right-hand realm is the church. And I want to be clear about my terms as we get started today, because when I say the church, I don't necessarily want us thinking about the institution, a, a building where people gather, a formal organization where people come and worship and have bulletins and all that, but the church instead to mean wherever Christians are. You are a member of the church. You are a part of the church because you are a part of the body of Jesus Christ. So I want to get that going right away. That When I say the church, it's not necessarily a location, a building, but a people. And so this left-hand realm is governed by reason, logic, order. The right-hand realm is governed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins. The left-hand realm is electing presidents. It's passing laws and policies. You're in the left-hand realm whenever you're driving down the road and you see a sign that tells you the speed limit. But I don't want you to think that, that the left-hand realm is merely just government. I don't want you to, to have that kind of a flat idea of it because it's actually much more. In your workplace, wherever there are policies or procedures or those fantastically entertaining training videos, those are all left-hand realm things. The left-hand realm is also active and present in the church. We have a constitution with bylaws as a church. We have a church council that, that carries forward administrative duties in the church. We have voters meetings. All of those things are left-hand realm things. In the right-hand realm, you're there when you hear the preaching of the gospel, when you're receiving the sacraments, when you're sharing the gospel with other people, when you're praying. And so you're in the right-hand realm when you're worshiping God or whenever you're sharing the gospel with other people. That's right-hand realm stuff. But God rules over both realms. And we see that in Romans 13, verse 1. And I want to begin with that point because so often we, we say these are two separate things, right? Even here in front of us, and maybe you can see this or not, sorry if you can't, it's two circles. You're not missing a lot if you can't. But you have the state and the church. They don't touch, right? Let the state do the state things and let them not tell the church what to do and let the church do church things and let them not tell the government what to do. And this is why if I ever say Trump or Biden, everyone's shoulders go up, heads lift up, and just horror uh, <laughs> is the expression I receive. But if we look at Romans 13, verse 1, that's not exactly the idea that the Spirit inspired Paul to write about. The first verse of Romans 13 goes like this, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, 
For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. And so all governing authority that exists actually has been instituted by God. And not only that, but if we look at verse 4 and 5, we find out a little bit more. For he, this is again governing authorities, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger, who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So not only has governing authority been established by God, but God has given governing authorities the ability to carry out punishment. And then verse 5. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. So whenever I am in the left realm, the left-hand realm, it actually is a spiritual issue that I obey governing authorities, that I am obeying the, the people that God has put in place over me, that I am following what, what God has ordered his world to be. And therefore, to rebel openly against those authorities is open rebellion against God's word. And so the left hand and the right hand realm do have an impact on one another, especially as we try to negotiate both of those things. But of course, I can almost see the questions on your faces right now as I talk about these things. And one of those big questions I would guess you might have on your mind right now is, well, what happens when government becomes so corrupt that there's no way that God is involved with it? What happens when government becomes completely and utterly sinful and broken? Well, what do we do then? In the 30 days following George Floyd's death in Minneapolis, 1,600 gunshots were detected. In just 30 days within the city of Minneapolis, 1,600 gunshots were detected. Fortunately, not all of those hit people, but 100 people were shot in the first 100 days following, or first 30 days, I'm sorry, following George Floyd's death. In one day, one particularly dark day in June, in a period of four hours, nine separate people in separate shootings were victims. How do we get to that point? How do we get there? How do we get there where we have people openly, publicly, inciting violence, or at least, very least, not condoning or not condemning that violence on major news networks? How do we get there where you have people controlling blocks of American cities saying, we don't want any other authority but our own? How do we get there where in certain cities in America, there are people developing their own citizens' police force telling the actual police that we don't want you here at all? How do we get to such a point? It's a complicated answer, but some of it goes like this. There's a philosophy, it's not a new one. It's just experiencing some new life these days. A philosophy that states that if you suffer oppression long enough, you have the right to bring violence to your government. You have the right to bring anarchy, and that this actually is a legitimate way, according to this teaching, this is a legitimate way to create change. 
that, that rioting and anarchy, some believe, is, is a legitimate way to create change and to create reform. Now, obviously, there's, there's a lot of problems with that. One of them that I would point out, first of all, is that those who, who sit in these national interviews who, who kind of propel this teaching forward are also not the ones rioting. And so anybody then who does the rioting is not an ally or an equal, but actually an accomplice, someone who does the dirty work for somebody else. You buy in the fact that rioting is a right because somebody told you so, you are being used and to not such a good end because another problem is that typically what follows rioting is anarchy. And what follows anarchy is oppression. And we've seen this happen time and time again throughout history, haven't we? The French Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution, the Cuban Revolution, and so on and so on and so on. Usually what replaces anarchy is oppression, and it just so happens in our era of history that thing that usually replaces anarchy is communism, which by itself is, by its own admission, is a godless government. Now, of course, all of this is not helped whenever justice isn't actually carried out. And so we have to speak about these things in balanced terms, because there are times where frustration has only been added because leadership has been insensitive to where people are. There are times where an officer should have been arrested for a shooting right away, and there are times where officers who should be arrested still aren't arrested. And so justice is stifled. It is plain logic, when we're speaking of the left-hand realm, it is plain logic that the best way to have a peaceful nation, a peaceful community, is to act with justice, and to be fair. So. As we look at this situation, while we see both sides, one thing we can at least note is that to consider rioting a right is clear rebellion from Romans 13, verse 1. Let everyone be subject to governing authorities. But it's possible to follow this command too robotically to follow in a way, uh, to follow this command without thinking. And that happens as well. Martin Luther King, in his letter from the Birmingham jail, wrote of his frustration when a group of clergymen responded to him in the South saying that, that his methods were, were not right. And so he responded back in his letter. And part of that letter and I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, he wrote that perhaps the big obstacle to change is not the white citizens council or the Ku Klux Klan, but the white moderate who loves order more than justice, who is constantly saying, I agree with your goal, but I can't agree with your methods. The result being that they do nothing. So perhaps that's the question more that stings us this morning. Do we love order more than justice? And what would it look like if we did love order more than justice? Well, it might look like a few of these things. It might look like, you know, the old saying goes, pinch your nose and vote, right? right? Just hold your nose and vote. Where we completely say nothing about the sins of a candidate that we're voting for. And no, if a candidate sins, it doesn't mean that you can't vote for them. 
but we have a way of just sort of passing over things, acting like they didn't even happen, because, well, if that other person gets elected, it will definitely be chaos. And so we swallow one evil to try to avoid not swallowing another. Loving order more than justice might also look like how whenever a person of color is shot by a police officer, we go back six months and bring up that one time that they were shoplifting and some sort of backwards attempt to justify a clearly unjust shooting. To love order more than justice is to take the riots that we have going on and only be willing to talk about those and talk nothing about, whether you agree or not, with racism or, or fairness in the legal system or any of those other surrounding issues to take the riots as a glad distraction from things that are also going on, that are just as real. Do we love order more than justice? Well, these things are complicated. And so I have a giant poster that I'm going to annoyingly fight with and tear down because nothing is perfect in this world. Okay. We have here a different diagram that actually frames the Christian view in this way. There are now, of course, in front of you three circles. And we've moved the two circles together. So we have, of course, God who rules over both the left-hand realm and the right-hand realm, the realm of governance or state and the realm of the gospel or the church. And so God rules over both of these things. And here, of course, is a place where actually these two realms touch. We maintain that they are distinct and different realms. That never should these circles come together, actually, because God has established his church and he has established governance. And they are two different things. And yet also, as we look at this, we remember, of course, that God is the one who is in control of these things. It is God who established earthly authority in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve were created, he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. He gave them the vocation of parents, the first vocation of earthly authority, the vocation that all other earthly authority is derived from. And so earthly authority is actually just as much a part of creation as the sand on the shore or the trees of the forest. And so then, as we look at our world, we maintain faith that God is active, even in the midst of sinful and sometimes corrupt and sometimes just plain disappointing governing authorities. And so we do not fall sway to the idea that anarchy, of course, is a right. It is very much not. And yet, at the same time, we also recognize our place right here, which is unique. As the church, we are the ones who stand both in the right hand and in the left hand realm. And in fact, we're standing in it constantly. And the, the truth of it is, is that we're going to spend the vast majority of our life doing left hand realm things. Think about it, church itself is only a seven hour experience. We could do six if you guys didn't insist on bathroom breaks. And so we could, um, look at the rest of our week and notice that the great majority of our time is spent in our vocations as parents or grandparents, as employees or employers or whatever we might be. And so then we recognize also that it is our role in this world from this unique standing 
to bring the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ into this left-hand realm. So what does that look like? Well, one, again, this, there's many things we can say, but at least for one, we could say that as a church, our loyalty is not to a political party, a political personality, a political strategy, but instead our loyalty is to the truth of God. And may we not be caught justifying the sin of a politician just because we want to get them elected. Because that is a totally different realm. That's the realm of hypocrisy. And that's way down here. That's a circle way down here, if you get what I'm saying. And so, obviously you didn't. I can't tell. You're not smiling. Or are you? I don't know. Instead, wherever there is scandal, may we just call it what it is. Unashamedly. Without fear. Wherever there is adultery or corruption, we call a sin a sin. And that truth works on both sides of the aisle. Also then, recognizing our unique place in the left and the right-hand realm together, then, as I already mentioned, we bring that justice and mercy out into the world. And so when we go to the voting booth, we recognize that we have a God who will provide for all of our need in every circumstance. So then one perspective we might adopt is actually to vote for what's good for our neighbor, to consider your political perspective according to what might best help people in need. And that's not to tell you how to vote, that's just a question to ask. And so also, we go out into the world and we do speak up for the oppressed, those who suffer injustice, while we also speak in support of good order. It, it, it's not clear, it's debatable how much the church should be involved in things, or how much the government should be involved in welfare. But if we read through the Bible, we know that God places a responsibility for welfare and charity on the church. And so with our voices out here into the left-hand realm, we say things like, yes, we are against abortion. Yes, we are for the family. But also as we recognize that we don't just speak here, we live here, we also take action. This is why as a church, we're involved with things like a foster ministry, that by making the world a little bit better for the kids that are already here, we make it better for the kids that are on the way here, providing a different option for desperate families. We say that we are for the family, and so through our actions, we also show that to the world. And so in these ways, and in many others, we take an active role, recognizing our unique position. We understand that God will not do mine. God will not allow us to play order against justice or justice against order. And so we say to this realm here, the left-hand realm, that you are temporary. One day Christ will return and there will be no need for presidents or Congress. If there ever was a moment for an amen in one of my sermons, I thought that would be it. <laughs> there will be no need for elections or election season or terrible commercials. One day Christ will return and sit on the throne and he will rule over all. And then on that day, brothers and sisters in Christ, we will recognize with joy that justice and order flow in the same stream together. Amen.